What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. This is our 23rd podcast together, and this week we're going to be analyzing the UFC 271 pay-per-view going down this Saturday, the rematch between Izzy and Whitaker, and a great main card, solid undercard, 15-fight pay-per-view card, and it's going to be a lot of fun to break down these fights. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Ozzy. How are we doing this week, Ozzy? Ooh, 15 fight me uh 15 fight card uh you know coming off a, a little bit of an L last week I think that might have been my fourth or fifth losing event since uh since we started this obviously uh ended up on a sour note had uh, had that Strickland points prop there Saudi Amato just you know I don't know who's paying that guy but there's no way he he he's really uh you know judging those fights uh seriously um and then you got that Puna that Puna decision, just an awful one. So, yeah, you know, back on a pay-per-view card, I think we've got like five or six uh, consecutive weeks coming up here and a little bit more of a favorites uh, leaning card here, but some good matchmaking, and I like the uh, the bout order up and down the card. So excited for it for sure. Yeah, that's one thing that sticks out is they really organized this card well. The we got Bobby King Green kicking off the pay per view. Rojo and Phillips should be fun. Cannonier Brunson, number one contender, and then Lewis and Ty in the co main. I think they just made the right decision, and I think it'll end up being uh, a good pay per view because of those decisions. Uh, also, a loss last week for me, three point seven unit loss, pretty much wiped out my pr- uh, profit for the entire year. Um, but uh, the, the that pick I gave at the end of the at the end of the podcast last week saved me from a. a a brutal week, I guess you could say. So uh, looking to just put that car behind us last week, not even going to recap the bets or nothing like that. Um, but uh, we got 15 fights, so we might let, as well, let, you know, let me, let me just on the pass yeah, and keep going. Let me, let me just go super quick. Um, you know, obviously with, with, with the L. So if Puna wins, ha, ha, ends up with a winning night. Obviously, my Jason Whip pick did not come to fruition. Uh, he was he was leading in the fight. I think I saw he was like a three to one favorite. Uh, but ultimately, Jason Whip did the Jason Whip. Um, but I think best bet of the card for sure, one that we endorsed was uh, John Castaneda. Looking forward to seeing him in the future. Uh, look really good in the pocket, like we kind of broke down his striking and uh, was all over. Uh, uh, Miles Johns uh, there and uh, best bet uh, over two and a half in the battle versus uh, Gore fight. I think that brings my side to six and two on uh, on on these best bets. So looking at no, we're not we're not doing sides. Okay, you know, we either win together or lose together. We, this is true, but I'm just saying if anybody's keeping track, these these things are six and two. And most of these, I'm trying to keep these uh, close to even money or, you know, keeping the juice low. But I agree. We try to discuss these and, you know, uh, uh, give give a good uh, two-teamer. But, uh, but yeah, I thought last week was an okay card. You know, some some good spots. And, you know, let's roll it to, to this pay-per-view one uh, that, you know, right on deck with the uh, Super Bowl right after. So it should be a great week uh, overall. So let's let's get it going. Well, one of our listeners, uh, Ronnie, sent out a, a pick. He did straight bet yours and not bet uh, mine as well. So uh, I took a little offense to that, but you know he made the right decision because you know Mark Andre bet you didn't did not come through. I for told us, you, I told you that Chitty. I, I, I was on the over. I was on the over, so I lost on the fight as a whole as well. But I don't know these chins be be cracking sometimes, and you know going against these Nigerian dudes. I myself, right? We were against. Uh, uh, what's his name? Hakeem as well. So maybe maybe not great to go against these Nigerian guys. Yeah, uh, and especially considering it's Black History Month. Black uh, History Derek, Month. Yes. Derek, Derek Lewis is undefeated in Black History Month. And, uh, you know, that's just something you got to consider. We got to think about all these factors when capping these fights. Uh, all right, but not, enough, uh, enough bullshitting around. We got 15 fights. We're starting it off in the 
welterweight division. We got Jeremiah Wells taking on Mike Mathea, making his UFC debut. Wells minus 235, Mathea plus 200. Uh, you want to start this one off, Ozzy? Sure. It's a, yeah, kind sure. of a tough fight. Sure. So, um, you know, Wells, I was looking forward to him fighting, you know, uh, higher up the ladder. He was supposed to fight uh, Jake Matthews, and I think he was like plus 150, plus 160 there. And I liked him in that matchup. Here, he's he's fighting a guy in Blood Diamond who, you know, he, he only has a few MMA fights. I think only three overall, you know, some kickboxing fights as well. But he's been out of the MMA scene for like one or two years. Obviously, he's only getting this spot uh, because of Adesanya at the top of the card. Uh, to, to be honest, like, you know, I, obviously I have to lean towards the JMY Wells side just because I know that he's a much more well-rounded, has some wrestling, has a, a jiu-jitsu black belt, trains with a good camp, you know, and has killer power on the feet. But obviously this guy's a wild man. Uh, sometimes he comes in swinging with his chin up a bit. And I think he's definitely coming for the finish uh, here. So that under is that price at one, uh, once, you know, minus 163 or so for the under one and a half. I think these guys come out, uh, you know, looking to to finish each other, you know, early on. So I definitely lean towards that. I probably have some of that, you know, myself just for for action for the first fight of the night. Um, but I think that um, uh, Blood Diamond's probably going to be try to establish range, keep keep wells off of him with some you know uh straight kicks up the middle and i don't know how well that's gonna go i think i see uh wells probably scooping up a leg uh at some point taking this guy down and then starting to ride him and uh and, and wear him out and eventually looking for a finish whether that be with strikes or potentially a submission but uh but yeah definitely would lean with jeremiah wells and i don't really see any reasoning to to back uh this guy blood diamond on in his first uh, ufc fight yeah, I agree with most of that. I mean, Mathea only has one fight available. That was two years ago. So barring any like massive improvements over the past two years, uh, I don't see this matchup being a good one for him. I mean, in that fight against uh, Gillies, you see him get pushed against the cage. You see him get clipped with some punches. The guy has some like decent kicks on the outside, but in the pocket does not look good. And he's probably going to be in danger here on the feet with Wells' power. He's going to be in danger of getting taken down. And Wells isn't really a guy that fights with much like problems. Process, but the dude is skilled everywhere. He's a freak athlete. You saw what he did to Warley Alves. I mean, that that fight was a chaotic one. But I mean, those chaotic fights tend to favor this freak athlete with power in Wells. So um, it's probably going to be a real high pace. And uh, you know, I expect Wells to probably finish as well. Probably on the mat, this dude does have some subs. So I'll go with like a Wells sub round two pick uh, for me. What what is Wells submission? You think that any props that stick out here? Because you know, money line not really inspiring. Um, well, oh, uh, terrible odds. What is it? Plus one seventy five. Oh no, no way! You can't do that. No, that's a big no, no. That's a big no, no. Yeah. Just because uh, you know, you could definitely see Wells like stick and mount and just dropping elbows on this guy. You know, hammer fists and you know finishing them like that. Yeah, so that's going to take us to the Bantamweight division next, where we have a uh, really fun fight, honestly. We got Sergey Morozov, minus 200, Douglas De Silva, Dion Draj, plus 170. And, you know, this is, you know, seems like a pretty striker versus grappler matchup. I think that uh, the striking definitely favors Andrade here, but Morozov had some sneaky good boxing in uh, that fight against Ta uh, Taha. Um, you know, don't let these guys' most recent fights fool you too much, you know, because Morozov did have just an easy matchup there, even though he was somehow the underdog in that fight. And, um, 
you know, he looked really good there, though. He he wrestled for the full 15 minutes. He hit multiple takedowns. He showed off his good top game. And he's going to be looking to do that here as well. And re-watching some footage of Andrade, watching him get, uh, you know, taken down, stuck on bottom with Burrell, kind of except bottom there. He got taken down by uh, Leron Murphy briefly in that fight. He got uh, taken down and put a beating on by Peter Yan. Um you know, I'm definitely setting a high uh, high ceiling for uh, Morozov here with those comparisons, but I feel like the behavior of Andrade getting taken down and held down is there on tape, and I kind of think that that makes me think that Morozov will wrestle his way to a victory here. And I think his boxing is like solid enough to not be completely washed out on the feet either. So I'm pretty high on Morozov. I've been impressed with what I've seen from the guy. Uh, has a deep background before he got to the UFC, and I think this is a spot for him to, uh, to wrestle for a victory here. So I'll, I'll go with uh, the face favorite pick here I'll, I'll say that morozov covers minus 200 on his way to a decision win um cool yeah so uh pretty high level bantamweight fight uh for me you know i've i've got both of these guys rated uh power rated pretty highly um but when i'm looking at the odds wise i do see some love you know uh, obviously for morozov and uh people have adjusted him quite a bit off of that uh taha win but at minus 200 versus a guy in Douglas who at 135, this guy's like a mutant. Like this guy's got no fat on him. Pretty explosive. Uh, has some good striking. I think has a black button in jiu-jitsu. Obviously, the problem here uh, you're, you'd see with him is, as you mentioned, maybe some of the complacency to uh, get held down, get held in the clinch. And Morozov, obviously uh, a pretty good uh, uh, wrestler. Has some good transitions, and like you said, uh, he's not a he's not a lost on the feet. This guy has got a lot of experience fighting high level guys. Got a lot of rounds under his belt, so I think this is gonna be a really really good fun uh, fun matchup. But I, I I do I would lean towards the Douglas side uh, at this plus one seventy or anything above plus one fifty. Honestly, uh, I lean towards him as a bet. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna. Uh, pull the trigger yet just because i think that for uh douglas to win this fight he probably needs to land some big shots probably hurt maraza maraza sergey let's call him sergey um <laughs> and, and and shut down that wrestling or or potentially gets maybe a takedown of his own but i don't really think he's gonna look for that at all um so i'm kind of looking at actually the over or the goes distance in this fight just because i think both these guys are are very durable both of them uh even if you think that Douglas, uh, even looking at Douglas's uh, record and that he gets a lot of finishes, he does still fight a little bit cerebrally. He does uh, pick his shots pretty well, I think. So I definitely do see this fight going the distance. You know, these guys uh, just locking up, uh, you know, in the grappling, stalemating a little bit. And then when they are on the feet or especially early on, uh, looking to kind of find openings and, and set things up as opposed to just going out and bombing each other. And obviously both guys have a lot of experience taking punches. So I, I think both of them have uh, solid chins and uh, would lean for this to, to, to go later on, which probably would favor uh, Sergey. But on the value side for me, I, I, I'd lean towards uh, Douglas at this uh, money line price. Yeah, it should be a fun fight there, though. Two of those guys are both entertaining to watch. Got high expectations for that one. And uh, that's going to take us to uh, the middleweight division next, where we have a very closely lined fight. Uh, we got A.J. Dobson making his UFC debut, minus 112. Jacob Malkoon, minus 108. Uh, what are you thinking? And I think this is the closest line fight on the card. Yeah, it definitely. Is, it so is. what are you thinking it about is. this So that definitely didn't start that way. AJ was was a much uh, higher favorite, which obviously a lot of people always speculate on uh, contender series guys when they are uh, this favored. Um, and you saw some action coming in on, on the Malcoon side. Uh, obviously, people 
have seen Malcoon. They think in, in that last fight, uh, wrestle down Al Hassan uh, for three straight rounds, just stick to him like glue, you know, hit takedowns basically on demand. But and AJ, I mean, he was very sloppy in, in that contender series fight. I mean, they set him up to fight a freaking grandpa. Like, I don't know what that other guy was doing, you know, on, on, on the on uh, the contender series. He's like, I don't know how old that guy was, but he had gray hair. I don't know. He looked like a fucking science teacher or a physics teacher, whatever. Um, He had no business in there. And I just, the takedowns that Malcoon's shown me, I just don't see them working on a guy like AJ Dobson. Like, he's catching this, like, head outside single to, like, you know, put putting his inside leg in deep and, and kind of just tripping him down as he ran the pipe. Like, I don't think that's working here against Dobson. So uh, I kind of side with this, the, the, the uh, like, fading this, um, this steam. But I don't really want to pay juice on Dobson. So I'm hoping that more of this, uh, you know, action comes in and you get a, a little plus number on him because fade him out Kuhn at any plus number. I don't think that's ever going to be a bad uh, strategy uh, in the UFC. This guy just on the feet, he's pretty awkward. Uh, he doesn't really want to commit to any strikes. Um, I don't think his defense is, uh, is, is uh, very good. And this being the bigger cage now, I think he's going to have to cover way more distance. And Dobson trains with Louis Simmons, Westside Barbell. I think he has gas to go three, uh, even though he's never been outside the first round. So it's definitely a big assumption on my part. Um, but I, I, I'll side with Dobson. If this gets to a plus number, I think I'll take a shot on him. Uh, just fading Malcoon's chin, uh, thinking that uh, he won't be able to land these takedowns easily. And once they do break, uh, Dobson's going to be looking to uh, to hurt him. And as Mark Holman was uh, yelling at him uh, incessantly in contender to fucking finish him. So <laughs> let's go with uh, Dobson for the win. Dobson actually does have one decision win. The only time he's My been bad. out of round one, it was a decision win. Um, but yeah, so he's got six pro fights. Um, you know, most of them have ended in the first round. And talking about like footage available on the guy, there's like seven minutes out there, and it's just all him being the hammer. You know, it's him lighting up guys, lower level guys. I mean, he did finish Kalen Hill, who was probably his highest level opponent, which was pretty impressive. But you know, he he really has uh, about six minutes worth of footage in the past four years. And I just haven't seen this guy face any adversity. He's, you know, extremely aggressive. He definitely has power in his hands. Um, but you, we haven't seen the guy tested in terms of defensive grappling whatsoever. And I feel like that's what you really need to see to trust him in this spot here. You want to be able to see that he can defend a takedown get off a bottom. And, you know, you really have to go and like watch his like amateur fights from like six or seven years ago to see any shred of defensive grappling shown. And I don't really think that's too relevant. But what I did see in that fight from like seven years ago against John Gunther is he has the same style. He just has that aggressive, wild uh, style where he can kind of like lose his feet underneath himself because he's just swinging so hard. Um, and I just feel like that could set up an easy path for Malcoon to, you know, hit a, uh, hit a double hit, a uh, that's single leg that he likes to go to. I mean, it seems like two pretty obvious outcomes here that either Dobson's going to smash him on the feet and knock him out or Malcoon's going to wrestle him and, you know, possibly look dominant. I could see either guy looking dominant, but, uh, in terms of the guy with, with more footage available, um, I think, uh, I mean, Malcoon is obviously that that guy, uh, and I I think he's got the better like minute winning ability. I think that you know Dobson is gonna need that knockout to win the fight. He doesn't really have like patience. He doesn't really stay on the outside. This guy only has one speed, and that's aggression. While Malcoon should be better suited if this fight gets into the a second and third round uh, with his wrestling as well. 
and he has wrestled uh, to a three-round decision victory in the the Tamesi fight and the Razak fight. So I think his cardio is pretty proven. His wrestling is decent enough. And I'll go with the Malkoon side to uh, get the, t- the takedowns and uh, win this fight here. I also thought Malkoon just looked a lot better from the Phil Hawes fight to the Razak fight. He's getting more comfortable in there. Uh, and I think uh, we could see him making you know more uh, improvements and have a higher ceiling than Dobson. But pretty binary fight, uh, rightfully uh, assigned pick'em line. Um, but should be a fun one, honestly. So um, that's going to take us to the next fight, which is in the light heavyweight division. We have Carlos Olberg taking on Fabio Chiron. Olberg minus 255, Chiron plus 215. So Chiron is no good. I mean, no need to keep this breakdown very long. I mean, the guy throws like a straight left hand down the middle every now and then, but he doesn't really offensively grapple. Um I mean, that's really what he's going to have to do here in order to win. I mean, outside of a knockout, which I don't see happening, he's going to have to hit takedowns and outgrapple Olberg because Olberg just has a massive striking advantage. He throws much more volume. And as long as Olberg settles down, doesn't go so crazy trying to finish him like he did in Zechiku in that first UFC fight of his, he really should just piece up Sharon on his way to either, you know, a knockout if he sits down on some strikes or I could possibly see this one go in the distance. And, you know, if Olberg just takes his time, he's a little bit worried about gassing out like he did in that last fight. I could see him just picking him apart and winning by decision. Vandal plus 550 on Olberg decision. And I think that's pretty wide. Um, like, I mean, if this goes the distance, the only way I see Sharon winning is, you know, laying on top of him for multiple rounds. And if he does that, he probably gets a finish with like a, a submission or something. So I think Sharon inside the distance or bust here. Uh, and I think uh, that Olberg decision prop actually has some value on it. I mean, Olberg knockout is minus 150 here. Like, come on, guys, Let, let's 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 get real. I don't think that's that's the way to go. So, uh, what are you thinking about this? Yeah, I mean, looking matchup? at this fight, like my main issue with Fabio Chiron is, I mean, this I don't think this guy is like violent enough to be in this division. Like in in actuality, like to put it to put it bluntly, like you know, uh, Oberg obviously uh, tired himself out from from hitting uh, Kennedy, but there's no way that uh, uh, Sharon is going to stick around for the damage that uh, Oberg is going to be putting out on him. And I don't think this guy is looking to to go 0-2 in the UFC. You saw the first clean punch that uh, William Knight uh, hit Sharon with, you know, absolutely folded him. I don't know if he went directly unconscious on that, but like, th- like he didn't even think that William Knight could pivot off and land that. Uh, I think it was a right hook, right? Or a left. I don't know. It, he was moving off. He it was, was left. moving off to the side though, but uh, Oberg pretty long for the division moves pretty well for a guy. that's like six, three, six, four, um, you know, has kicks, has some punches, uh, you know, can work in the clinch and, and has a good check, check hook of, uh, of his own. So I think that, uh Sharon's probably looking to come clinch here, look to scoop up double legs, but I just don't see him having consistent success with that. I do think that maybe he can, you know, this guy's the what is he, the water buffalo. So I think that he could have some success coming forward and holding on to uh, uh Oberg. But as soon as this guy tires out at all, I just think that Oberg gets off. I think he, he's gonna come to fight a little bit harder. Uh uh, who is plus five hundred. That's I think that's quite good. 
um, because, uh, you know, I think that he himself will be conservative in the first round, right? Uh, plus 150 for round one. So I think he himself would be a little bit, will be a little conservative. I don't, I wouldn't be surprised at him hurting Sharant in the first round, but I think that he's going to be a little bit like pick his shots a little bit more. Whoever's in his corner, if he does hurt, Sharant will probably be like, you know, pick the shots, you know, and, and, and be a little bit more precise. So I, so I think that uh, I could see him getting him out of there in round two. And I think I'll play that for a little you know, a little play, a little sprinkle, and, you know, maybe Oberg, yeah, just Oberg round two, uh, you know, finish here. Yeah, you know, just thinking about it now, I mean, uh, Sharon would be such a moron if he didn't try to grapple in this fight. Maybe we're, like, underrating his, you know, his uh, intellectual guy, ability here, because if... Where, where, go ahead. Uh, Sharon is from, like, Massachusetts, man. Those guys, they don't know, like, they're bad at grappling over there. Like, these guys are not, I don't know, like, Joe Lozon has not been working with him. Like, you know, Mike Rodriguez, all these guys. So, I think <laughs> he's going to try. No, he's going to definitely clinch at some point. But I just don't see, like, he's not, I don't think he's, he can put Oberg down cleanly, you know, like, or authoritatively, like, where he's not going to be able to get an overhook or an underhook and get back up. So, you know, I think I think he he will look to grapple. I think in that Myron Dennis fight, he started grappling when Dennis started like getting off on him. So yeah, I de definitely th agree with you and think that he's in a, a lean on that. But there's no way. I mean, Olberg is going to be training that defensive grappling pretty heavy. You know, I mean, he I think he'll be prepared for what comes at him. Um, next fight is a fun one. I'm pretty surprised to see this one actually this far down in the car, but uh, you know, this has all the potential for a really great fight. Uh, Hinato Moicano taking on Alex Hernandez. Uh, Moicano minus 160, Hernandez plus 140. Your turn to start this one off. Fun lightweight fight. What awesome do you think? lightweight fight. Uh, you know, two guys that you know uh, ha had it. You know, have had fanfare for sure. You know, Moicano down at 145 had some uh, fights going into the top 10, and Hernandez after his uh, fight with OAM. I legitimately thought this guy could potentially be a top 10 uh, lightweight, and boy, was I wrong. Uh, you know, right after that fight, he started getting butchered up by uh, once they started pushing him to the top of the card uh, or the top of the rankings. And I think here is going to be another uh, potential misstep for him. Um, you know, uh, Hernandez, he does have great skills uh, in terms of, or great attributes in terms of he's quick. Uh, he, you know, he, he definitely has power in his hands. And you would think he's pretty well-rounded, right? He has some gra uh, some uh, wrestling. He, I, I think his jiu-jitsu is not, not too bad. And, and when he's on the feet, he's pretty accurate when he is uh, firing off these shots. But uh, there's something... There's something off with the guy, man. I don't know if it's, a, it's it, his confidence all the time, but, you know, once you stand up to him a little bit, once his gas tank, you know, starts to wane a little bit, you know, I think that he loses the confidence in being able to either, one, get, get a guy out of there, or two, uh, maybe it's that uh, he doesn't like what's coming back at him and he doesn't feel he can avoid it. I think you definitely saw that in that Drew Dober fight. Once Drew Dober started pressing back into him, started standing up to him, and started uh, countering, uh, you know, he 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 was uh, on the immediately on the back foot. Same thing with Trinaldo, although not much happened in that fight, and, and the Tiago Moises fight as well. Like Tiago Moises completely started clowning him in the second and third rounds with not very good striking. Like if you ever seen a Tiago Moises fight, uh, you would not be you would not come away with that from that thinking that he was a striker uh, at all. Now in this fight. We are seeing some action coming on on Hernandez. You know, Moicano. He, you would think he's younger, but this guy's uh, about to be thirty three years old. Did you know that? Did, did, did would you think that 
he was going to be 33 years old, kind of, kind of. I would guess more like yeah, 29, you would think, right? Uh, that's how old I'm about to turn. So we're, we actually have uh, very close birthdays. Um, but uh, but Moicano, I think you know here, I do I do think that he is potentially vulnerable because, you know, just how I see his fight playing out, I do think that Hernandez is going to be able to land on him uh, early on. Uh, you know, I think he does struggle a little bit with the speed. Some of those offbeat counters, like some of the things that you saw um, uh, Fazeev hit, hitting him with uh, in the pocket, finishing combinations, right? You see that uh, come up in the uh, in the Korean zombie fight as well, where he just gets hit with that overhand, that Aldo fight, uh, and even the Herbert fight. Her Herbert, though, he has really loose hands and quick hands, definitely more so than Hernandez. But yeah, I do, I do see uh, Hernandez potentially landing early on him. But later this fight goes, I do see Moicano's just style and presence taking over and uh and hitting on those faults in the game of uh alexander hernandez i think he's gonna start chopping out that leg i think he's gonna start landing that jab on uh on hernandez as his reflexes uh start to uh slow and uh potentially maybe even getting into the clinch and finding a takedown here i don't think that uh moicano can land any like single legs or double legs in this fight but i think that uh potentially if these guys get to the clinch you can start seeing moicano start to shrug uh Hernandez over, gets his back, start working trips in there, uh, and get him to the ground. But I don't really see him finishing uh, Hernandez. Uh, and you're seeing that su his submission prop, his K inside the distance prop, be, be pretty pretty low, right? Like not not very generous on those. And definitely people have been steaming this over. So I'm I I'll pick uh, Hernando Moicano here. I just think that he's going to be chipping away at Hernandez if he can avoid those big uh, right right hands and uh and and follow up hooks and potentially maybe a head kick or two. I think he he ends up uh, starting to take over this fight late. But I'm not too comfortable laying this minus 160 number. I'd I'd be looking to wait and try to get in, in on a live line on uh, Moicano here. What, how do you feel about it, though? Yeah, I'm thinking the same way. I mean, I think Hernandez is going to be a threat in round one. Uh, like you said, Moicano just doesn't seem to react to punches too well early on. Uh, I'm not really loving this 155 weight class. I mean, he he was fortunate to pick up two wins over guys who are really bad grapplers, but I could see him not really sticking around at this, at this weight class. Um, more kind of just been kind of a disappointment throughout his career. I feel like the guy has had, uh, he's got incredible skill. I just think he's, you know, not really lived up to his potential over the years. Um, and Hernandez seems to, you know, have like some identity issues when he fights. Like if he's going forward, going for the knockout in round one, you know, he's successful. But if he tries to, to fight technical, if he gets in like a long extended fight, the guy does not thrive in those situations. Like you were saying, um, and, you know, grappling wise, you know, considering that Hernandez wasn't even able to hold down Drew Dober, I think the grappling should pretty heavily favor um, Moicano here. When it, when it gets to the ground, it's going to heavily favor Moicano. But I could see the wrestling exchanges being even. Uh, I could see Moicano having some trouble taking him down just because Hernandez is strong. Uh, he might have come from a wrestling background as well. Um, the calf kicks are going to be a big weapon for Moicano here. We saw Tiago land some really hard calf kicks on Hernandez and Hernandez is so heavy on that lead leg early on. Uh, I mean, he shut, he, he attacked the calf kicks, uh, 
of in the orthodox stance. And right away, Hernandez had to switch the southpaw, and he was rendered pretty much like you know ineffective from that southpaw stance. So uh, look out for Moicano's leg kicks to be uh, a thing here. And yeah, I agree with your assessment of probably pass on Moicano before the fight. Um, wait to make sure he doesn't get knocked out early on, and then look to live bet him here. And uh, I kind of agree that it won't be a finish either. I think that I could see this one going the distance. Moicano by decision will probably be my pick, but you know I'm worried about round one here. Uh, I'm not a big fan of uh, Hernandez. It, it would kind of suck to see him get another you know knockout here. It would probably be the biggest win since uh, Darush for sure for him. So uh, yeah, I mean hopefully Moicano can avoid that early storm and, and get this one done later. But very fun fight and. Um, Another fun fight next. Uh, we're only five fights down, 33% of the way there. And we got in the Bantamweight division, uh, Hani Lawrence as the big favorite. Uh, let's see, where is this line at? Um, we got minus 302, plus 252 on the comeback from Leo Mana Martinez. Um, so we call we call him Hani. That's Ozzy's inside joke. I'm, I've kind of like gotten so used to it that I actually call it uh, him Hani by default. Um because the guy's just, you know, a, a tremendous grappler. The guy's got pace. He's got cardio. Uh, three fights in a row where he's, you know, grappled really heavy, set a really high pace, and was able to dominate the fights late. And, um, you know, I think this fight is a pretty clear, you know, knockout or bust situation for Martinez. I don't see him being able to win a decision. I mean, the guy barely scraped out a decision over Guido Canetti. And, Kennedy slowed down tremendously in those last two rounds. I mean, he's a 42-year-old Bantamweight, so you can't really blame the guy. But Martinez got outstruck in round one by Kennedy. I mean, he was just getting lit up with kicks. Uh, light kicks, wasn't checking any of them. And, you know, rewatching Lawrence's fights, he he knows what his strengths are. He knows he's not a boxer. He, he stays on the outside. He throws a few kicks. He throws some leg kicks of his own. And then he looks to hit those takedowns. And we have seen Martinez get taken down and put on bottom, stuck on bottom in multiple scenarios. Um, the, the Perry fight, the Darko Rodriguez, or Draco Rodriguez, and uh, the Rivera fight of his, he was taken down and spent some time on his back there. Eventually got subbed by Draco in that pretty sick uh, triangle transition. But I just don't think that Martinez is a good grappler. Uh, the guy's definitely got some power in his hands. You know, knocked out Ricky Tercios, has some nice regional knockouts. But I mean, in that that Conetti fight, I was really unimpressed with what I've seen. And I think that um, you know our boy Lawrence is going to stay on the outside. He's going to time those takedowns appropriately. And you know, his cardio and his wrestling is probably going to lead him to victory here. Um, some some props I like for this fight is the late Lawrence props round two plus eight fifty, round three plus twelve hundred. Uh, I think those are, you know, must plays at those prices with the pace that this guy puts on people. So uh, I like uh, Lawrence to probably get a late stoppage here in uh, round three or something like that. What do Love you think, this fight. Uh, you know, I think these two prospects are pretty good. Um, you know, Mana, obviously, I think left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths uh, last time out. Right. Miss weight, you know, had, had some personal circumstances going around, but, you know, came in miss weight, you know, had a guy in Guido Canetti who I don't think I don't know how many wins guido canetti had in the ufc but i mean like 40 year old guy like you know people expected him to to get an early finish there and obviously that did not happen uh you know honey on the other hand looked great and i thought in the contender series right took down jose johnson a bunch of times uh was passing guard looking really good there same thing against vince Cachero. and uh he comes from like kind of like a kickboxing uh karate background as well so on the feet he's definitely not a fish out of water um he moves pretty well he's pretty quick uh there uh you know he kind of 
moves moves around and it kind of draws you in and then he works his grappling game which is pretty high level man i really think that you know this guy does have like some of the better wrestling in the in the division and definitely for uh, a guy that's only eight fights in and and is definitely considered a prospect here um you know mana does have one punch power which is a little bit rare for the 135 division right you don't see too many guys you know, putting guys to sleep uh, that that quick and that early. But I think physically, uh, you, you kind of see some faults there. I don't know if it's, you know, from uh, him being sucked out from the weight. You know, he is a 5'10", you know, 135-er. But I think he's a little weak. Um, I think that uh, once he does get put on the ground, I think that Ronnie is going to be able to, you know, run circles around him get to dominant positions and, and start putting a beating on him. But, you know, this uh, Mana has been training with uh, Hafian Stotts. He's been training, obviously, with his boy uh, Adrian Yanez. And I believe the last month or so, he has been over at Glory MMA with James Krause. I don't want to overrate that too much because, obviously, uh, Ronnie's at Sanford MMA and, and all. But, you know, I'm hoping that uh, this is probably a better camp uh, for, uh, for Mana than what he was doing his last fight out. At minus 300... You know, I don't love uh, backing, you know, Ronnie here. I think if you're, you know, playing DraftKings, I think this is a good fight, though, uh, to target because Mana, I think a, a win for Mana is definitely uh, inside the distance. I don't really see him being able to, you know, hurt Ronnie multiple times over a three-round fight, you know, and, and get a win here. And I think that a Ronnie win is probably pretty dominant. Um, you know, he's just wearing this guy out. Even if he is getting, you know, maybe uh, buzzed up a little bit early on, I think that uh, it, it'll draw out the gas of mana and and play itself into a late potential late finish uh for ronnie because if he's got this guy on his back he's going to ground and pound him and then you know and then end up finding those uh, dominant positions that we talked about so i like that round three uh angle here on ronnie i think this guy's really good i think he knows he's got high fight iq as well and just the transition that he puts out are, is, is pretty high level and I just love this guy as a fighter as a prospect and I'm you know I'm super high on him so you know I don't think I'll back him here at this price you know unfortunate I think that I made I, I made my money in the plus 250 against uh, Johnson and minus 165 against uh, Vince Cachero so I'll just watch this one root for Ronnie maybe stab a little prop on him maybe a minus three and a half point handicap here might be interesting because I think that 10-8 rounds here are live as well if he could get uh, takedowns early on or, like, early on in rounds. Um, but, yeah, outside of Ronnie. Um, but I do have some guys that are interested in, in Mana for that one-punch power that I mentioned. But, you know, let's roll with – it's still heat season, so let's roll with Ronnie. Yeah, looking at five dimes, that point spread is a very playable number, so look out for that. Um moving over and that's going to take us to the light heavyweight division in the next fight we got uh maxim grishin minus 170 taking on william knight plus 145 william knight one of the craziest physiques in the ufc uh what are your thoughts on this tick, light heavyweight another light heavyweight third fight. One. What is tick, that, the third tick one? willie here tick willie uh coming in here you know quick turnaround i like tick willie being active right i think this is what that guy needs man you know a guy so green like him like I think this he's still teaching like CrossFit weight weight weightlifting classes uh wherever he's at. But um yeah, man, I mean this the, the main concern with me for Grisham is you know that weight miss in his last fight against Jacoby, right? This guy's a former or uh, former heavyweight uh who's now down at light heavyweight, and it's there's no way that could be an easy wake up for him. So I'm hoping that you know he he hits the scales you know with no with not too much issue um and you know comes in with you know decent conditioning because you know you definitely need it against a guy like William Knight you know he's a, William Knight's a guy that 
you know, if if you don't have the conditioning, it's hard. First of all, it's hard to get him out of there, right? Obviously, because he's so physically strong, you know, I think that he's able to withstand, you know, some damage coming his way, and he can, you know, catch up to guys uh, later in the fight goes. But Grisham, obviously, that Jacoby fight, I don't know how they scored that for Jacoby. Like that was one of the most clear, like first rounds and third rounds that I've seen in a while, where where they, you know, ended up messing up the decision. So that was kind of strange. But I like Grisham here. Um, you know, he's pretty long for the division. He uses his 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 uh, jab pretty well he'll fire off low kicks as well and in the grappling department i think he's pretty solid now i will say when he is exchanging punches whether you like you're against the fence or we're in the pocket like he's got no head movement at all like you know right he's not really uh throwing punches and then moving off to angles uh, from there he's kind of just throwing and then he's like looking to see like where you're going next it's not he doesn't really disengage too much so it's like really like an extended co uh, combination uh you know there but he's got pretty good timing i do do think that he can counter willie uh william knight uh, often, you know, especially given the reach advantage. Um, but I, I am cognizant of the big bonk coming his coming uh, from the other direction from William Knight. So, you know, if I was to play this, I think I would have to maybe look at, you know, maybe like a pseudo hedge with uh, Knight uh, KO. I'm a little hard pressed without um, Grisham Gap. Passing, uh, seeing William Knight win a decision. So, you know, at this minus, I think the line here is somewhat fair. I would definitely not play William Knight at this price. Um, you know, if this goes a little lower, I would, I will consider, um, you know, Grisham just because he's so, he's just so much better, you know, uh, than than Knight. He's got like four times, you know, the fights and the experience in the cage. You know, high level fights as well. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just the, the, the weight miss and the potential weight miss and cardio issues for Grisham and, uh, and, and the lack of head movement and defensive awareness, uh, with a guy that is, you know, throwing bombs back at you is the concern, but you know, I, I, I'd pick uh max max to, to win this fight and uh, probably by decision would be my, my, my estimate, because I think that, um, Nick, Eric Nixick will probably, uh, you know, be telling him to, uh, mix in the grappling a little bit. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I mean, all logic points towards Grisham winning the fight, which doesn't mean a whole lot in William Knight fights. But like you said, like four times as much experience, uh, the skill advantage in pretty much all areas of the fight. I mean, distance striking is probably the closest area of the fight. But I mean, five inch height, five inch reach, um, you know, the much better grappler, much more experience, much better at getting off a of bottom if he ever ends up on bottom. Like we've seen Grisham get taken down by by Johnson and PFL and then get back up while we've seen Knight get taken down by Dao and Jung and just get stuck there for long periods of time. I mean, you know, Jung really dominated him in the grappling there. So if Grisham comes in with the right game plan to push him against the cage, wear that wear down that size uh, on him and, and look to get some takedowns, he should win the fight, you know, pretty easily. Um you know, you can't be too confident, though, because, I mean, Knight is such a freak athlete with such great power, and he defies the odds time and time again. Uh, I mean, he was a big underdog in round three versus Menafield, but just did the right things at the right time. And a lot of people, like, are talking that was a controversial decision, like the, the, the fucking media on MMA decisions all scored it for, for Menafield. Um, um, that's bullshit. Menafield did nothing that round, and then the last 30 seconds, Knight showed some aggression, and he won the round. He did what he had to do, and he stole that decision. So, 
Um, you know, Knight is not that bad, not that bad as I'd probably have thought he was in the past, but, uh, you know, Grisham really should have him covered here. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement with you, Grisham, probably decision Knight. I can't see him win in any way besides knockout here. So, uh, maybe Knight no scorecards wouldn't be the worst way to play him or something like that. Um, maybe Grisham decision only once those open up on DraftKings, but, uh, you know, interesting fight there and that's going to take us next fight a very a very cursed fight i don't even know if we should talk about it because it, it could get canceled at any moment we got alex perez versus matt schnell um perez minus 400 schnell plus 300 it seems like every time this fight gets booked perez gets a, a bit wider i don't know what the hell is happening there but i swear i remember this fight being minus 325 and then 350 and now it's 400 so uh I guess it's my turn to start this one off. Uh, you know, fun flyweight fight. Perez coming back, hasn't fought since uh, that Figgy fight 15 months ago. Uh, you know, really solid fighter. Uh, he attacks those calf kicks, and he got Juicier Formiga out of there with them. Um, his boxing is is decent. I'd say that's probably one of his, his weakest areas, but he's a solid wrestler. He knows how to get takedowns and keep top position. Um, you know, Schnell is a bit of a noodly guy, you know, has a kind of a weak chin. Uh, he got outboxed by Bontarin over three rounds in his last fight. Um, and, you know, he's kind of just a, ver a, a, a versatile grappler. He gets put on bottom, but he can attack with submissions off his back. Um, I just kind of think that the leg kicks of Perez here, the takedowns, the top game of Perez is probably going to be too much for Schnell. Uh, but I, I see it being a high pace. I see the, these guys, you know, uh, looking for finishes and no matter, you know, where they're at in the fight. So I, I could see this one actually ending inside the distance. Um or maybe the under and two and a half. I mean, I guess it is favored, so it's not like I'm picking anything too bold here. Um, but, uh, you know, the fight probably is going to end by finish. I'm leaning maybe a, a Perez arm triangle or something like that. Um, but uh, looking at the props for this one, yeah, Perez submission plus 450. That's doable. Schnell by sub plus 1,000. Not bad considering the guy does have some, you know, decent triangles and uh, whatnot off his back. But, uh, you know, should be a crazy fight that ends inside the distance. Um, not like an extremely strong conviction, though, for me, though. So only flyweight on the fight on the car for the I mean, men's. What are you thinking all, about this one, Ozzy? Like, don't touch this fight until these guys weigh in, man. Like, you know, like there's no reason to, to, to I think, attack this fight. Uh, until then, um, you know, and definitely be looking only at the prop side of things for me. Um, just now, I mean, on the feet, I don't, I don't really think this guy has, um, you know, very good process overall. I think at flyweight, you know, he looks to be, you know, way too slick. And the issue when the best time that he's ever looked is against, uh, Tyson Nam. And the issue with Tyson Nam is he's only a boxer, right? This guy throws no kicks at all. And that is, you know, completely opposite to usually what Alex Perez looks to come in there. So I think if Schnell is coming in there with his typical game plan to like stick the jab, you know, find angles for his right hand and, you know, move out of the pocket and kind of try to bait him in. Alex Perez is not going to, you know, play into that at all. I think he's just going to chop his leg, look to close the distance, look to, to get on his hips and take him down. And I think, you know, the main thing he has to look out for is, uh, is like, the, you know, a guillotine, you know, from coming from uh, Matt Schnell and, you know, potentially that trauma triangle choke that he likes to go for but i mean if you think about it other than that tyson nam fight like he hasn't won a fight since uh 2019 i think he he's a little bit uh fragile for sure uh as well which i think alex Perez is not out i think alex Perez just makes some um, you know bad decisions every now and then and you know gets caught up uh 
you know, in the chaos of a fight. And I think that he's going to be in control of this fight more so than match. Now I favor him to finish this inside the distance. I think that, I mean, Alex Perez has not fought for a while since the figgy fight, right? That right. Since he fought last fought, how long is that? Is that mm -hmm. that's over a year? Correct. 15, 15 months so over a year 15 I think months this yeah hungry man i think that he wants to get a performance bonus so i think that he, uh, fighting in texas i don't think he has texas roots but whatever he's mexican um so i think that he's coming to finish this fight so i lean i definitely lean for this to go to go under for this to you know not finish uh not go to the scorecards for you know maybe perez uh round one uh it's not a great price but perez maybe round one ko uh you look at that uh i i, I think i'd favor i'd favor that over a submission just because match has has a terrible chin uh but yeah that i mean not high level analysis there but i just feel that um you know perez is looking to come out put, put damage on Chanel. i think he knows that he could finish him and potentially get a performance bonus here so i think he's gonna be pushing the pace uh very very highly uh early on Nice. Got the Perez stamp yes, of sir. approval here. Um, and that's going to take us to, to the only women's fight on the entire card. Uh, in the women's flyweight division, we got Roxanne's last fight, Casey O'Neill as the huge, huge favorite, minus 400, Roxanne plus 300. Yeah. So Roxanne's retirement fight, 40, 40 plus fights in MMA. She's announcing that she's retiring. Uh, what are your thoughts Roxanne, going into her last MMA legend. fight? legend. Only respect. Only respect for Roxanne Mataferi. Uh, you know, she's deserved it. She's earned it. And I mean, the UFC couldn't give her a softball here. They gave her a prospect, um, you know, training over, you know, we got, we got extreme couture versus a uh, syndicate MMA here. And I mean, I'm not itching to at all to to lay this price on Casey, obviously, because, you know, Casey in her last fight, you know, it was smart against Antonina. I think it, it always takes her little bit to get going but when she does she's pretty well-rounded but i think uh how young she is in her career she still is not um deliberate enough for me into where she wants to take the fight and the game plan that she wants to implement you know she's kind of she kind of lets the fight uh you know go go where it go or maybe you know sometimes like even if she gets taken down like you know she's just looking to go with the fight you know she'll go to uh put damage you know whether it be on the feet if she's on her back if she's on top uh you know looking for submissions whatever it is but sometimes you know that clock starts running out uh potentially uh and and you're kind of like you know put, putting yourself in a uh, more inferior position you know I, i'm seeing a lot of people that feel that roxanne can potentially you know ground casey or you know hold her down and you know just the thing with roxanne is that in her last two fights against the brazilians you know she's getting her getting her head bashed in like in that corner that corner work versus santos i thought was i don't know kind of scary like i don't know roxanne was not all there for sure um i think that that fight should have been stopped by her like i personally would have stopped it if that was my fighter like she just definitely was not all there talia santos is bashing her brains in and i don't think that she's probably recovered from that all too much so i definitely understand uh casey inside the distance uh leans but roxanne's super tough i think on the feet i don't think casey has the power uh you know to finish her at all i think she still has some some more maturing to do physically and then you know on the feet she she's not very clean with her striking and if she even she was to uh, hurt Roxanne, I think she'd be diving in for a takedown shortly thereafter. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm not interested in playing Roxanne here. Um, you know, I, I just look for this maybe on the live line if Roxanne has some success uh, early on. But I think she's gonna come forward. I think she's gonna maybe look to clinch a little bit with Casey because I do think she's probably a little bit stronger, uh, you know, than her. Um, and, and and then look to to take this to the ground. But 
you know, this is definitely going to be a pass fight for me. I'm not going to touch it. I, I think that playing women's, uh, you know, uh, inside the distance props that, you know, these short numbers, like, you know, under plus 300 is usually a bad idea, minus EV and, you know, no real reason to do that. So I'll pass in the fight. I'll pick uh, Casey to continue uh, her, her rise up to 125 ranks and, uh, you know, get a decision win, I guess, over uh, over Roxanne. I just feel that Roxanne being a huge underdog in her retirement fight against another, you know, hype undefeated prospect, it would be, you know, very poetic of her to get the the uh, one last underdog victory. Um, and, you know, every once in a while, we do kind of get like a nice feel good story in MMA. Very rare, but I feel like this could be the chance where that happens because I just feel that nothing O'Neill brings is going to be anything too overwhelming for Roxanne. Um, especially cause I feel like Roxanne is the worst on the feet right now. You know, you know, you see her knees just don't move the same. She has no way to avoid strikes and, you know, strikers are going to really put a beating on her. Like we've seen in her past few fights, but if she's facing another grapple, a grappler, we saw just about, you know, 16, 17 months ago, she fought Andrea Lee and was able to outgrapple her on her way to a decision. So just a, less than a year and a half ago, Roxanne still had her grappling wits about her, was still able to, to get on top, get takedowns, reverse position, and keep top position. So that's what she needs to do here. And uh, I feel like, you know, Casey is very tenacious when she gets on top. You know, she's really good at translating finishes once she gets on top. But I feel like her overall grappling, I'm not, you know, extremely impressed with. I think her takedown arsenal, she basically has two takedowns. She has a double leg, and then she loves her best takedown is to just get that body lock and go for a trip takedown. So, I mean, would it really surprise anyone if O'Neal goes for an early trip takedown and just kind of uh, Roxanne, you know, reverses it and ends up on top and all of a sudden it's, uh, you know, 10-9 Roxanne? I really don't think so. I feel like uh, Roxanne, you know, really could win this fight with her grappling. And, uh, you know, when she gets on top um, or when she's on bottom, she's good at reversing. You know, she's re she hits that flower sweep. She knows how to hit sweeps and get off her back. And I just see like O'Neal getting, you know, two overzealous with her top position, going for some crazy ground and pound and then getting swept uh, and put on bottom herself. And, you know, uh, O'Neal not really proven in terms of uh, getting off her back. Um one last thing is O'Neal loves to hit those knees to the bodies uh, as well. And I feel like that just opens up opportunity for a takedown here. So I'll be cheering for Roxanne to get the, uh, the upset victory. The um, you know, I feel like plus 300. Yeah. She throws a lot of them. Procaprio was able to get her down with a few of them. And um, I feel like, uh, you know, Roxanne plus 300 is playable here for like a small bet. Uh, maybe some Roxanne by decision as well. Uh, it's only plus 500. You might as well stick two, with Moneyline. Um, and yeah, I two, think, two you know, small here. bet uh, is more. One first, uh, this is the first uh, fight, one for Casey on a pay-per-view. And it is also uh, converse or, or along with that first fight for her in the big cage. And then second question for you, do you think this uh, goes distance line is a little bit of a, do you think it's a trap or like, what do you, how, how do you feel about that? Cause you got a women's 125, two girls, both, both have grappling chops. Um, and you know, Roxanne's historically been hard to put away. I know I mentioned the damage that she's been taking, but potentially a little short price here on the over or, or uh, GTD. What do you think? Yeah, I'd say so. And you could just bet some like O'Neal round two, round three to offset it. Probably that's really probably the only fin the only finish happening let's here. Keep that in mind. Um. So yeah, I think yeah, that that is that, that is playable. Uh, under two to one is something to look out for. Um. 
that's going to take us to the last fight on the prelims, uh, which is a heavyweight fight. We have the veteran Andre Arlovsky, uh, who is minus 145. Jared Vandera, plus 125. Um, yeah, so it's my turn to start this one. Um, you know, Arlovsky's been good to us. You know, he, he, we cashed on him in his last fight against Philippe. Um, he kind of squeaked that one out. You know, I did have a little bit of, of worry going into that decision, but he, he won rounds one, to, uh, one and two. And I think Philippe is, you know, a much more like dangerous guy in terms of like punching power than Vandera is. Um, but, you know, Vandera, his performance against Tafa is, you know, the concern for me in this fight. He did look to have um, some, some good distance striking um, in that fight. Oh, my bad. Um, hold on, you're breathing in the Michael Ozzy. Um, um, it did have... All good. He did uh did have some good distance striking that fight. Put up a high tempo. He picked up the pace as the the, the fight went on, and you know that was something we hadn't seen from Verandera. He he typically uh, hit takedowns and uh, got top position finishes uh, before the UFC, and then out of nowhere he put up a striking clinic, a high uh, a high output, good cardio performance against Tafa. So uh, I mean that is worrisome. I mean if that Verandera shows up here, uh, he could give Arlovsky some trouble. Um, but you know just thinking that the wealth of experience that Arlovsky has, he's so much more comfortable at distance. I feel like even if that version of Vandera shows up, uh, Arlovsky should be able to, you know, get his calf kicks going, just be the better boxer and, you know, be able to overcome that volume with, uh, you know, some skill and some counter striking. So I'm still going to be picking Andre here, but you know, this, the line movement is kind of making me hesitant. You know, like uh, last week I was thinking, oh yeah, Arlovsky should get this one. I don't really understand why the line is so close, but the market being like so confident in Barrett Vandera is kind of spooking me a bit. But one point to counter that is that Arlovsky has arguably been severely underpriced in four of his last five fights. You know, he was a big dog to Linz, big dog to Bosser, uh, short favorite versus, um, Philippe and then one I'm forgetting that I'll, I'll, I'll have in a second here what was the last one um Ooh. Sherman also <laughs> very short favorite to chase fucking Sherman there he is man. again one, there one of the worst that, one of the worst to ever do it like Ozzy says um so you know he's 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 still winning unanimous decisions he's still fighting well over the full 15 minutes I feel like people have been waiting to fade and uh, betting against Arlovsky for for years now and the guy really hasn't slowed down that much so I'll take Arlovsky by decision here but I tread lightly in this bet yeah man uh, you know Andre Arlovsky I mean when we talk legends right we were just talking about Roxanne man uh, Andre Arlovsky for me when I think of MMA legends like this is like modern day for myself like. The first MMA uh, pay-per-view I ever bought, like why, like I convinced my mom, I was like 13 years old, was when he he fought that awful fight against Tim Sylvia that that went to a decision, and that was like you know 14, 15 years ago now, and this guy's still fighting, like you said, high, uh, you know, pretty high level. You know, a lot of his losses, if you look there, to also legends in the game, right? Stipe, Alistair Overeem, Barnett, you know, uh, obviously Nganu. And, you know, and, you know, the, the, the new British King, uh, Tom Aspinall, but, you know, he's fighting this guy in Vandera where, you know, I can see the past of Vandera, like in that last fight against, um, what's it called? Uh, Tafa. I mean, Tafa's a, or not that last fight, two fights ago. Tafa's a, not a good, you know, good fighter at all, but you just saw that Vandera is just very willing to come, keep coming forward. Um, he's really willing to, to make it a dirty fight. And if you're not really breaking up that pressure with grappling like uh, Romanov and Spivak did, th that, that style could definitely wear on a guy. And, you know, Arlovsky, 
I don't think he has a soft chin, but I do think that if these guys are swinging in there, I could definitely see why taking that plus money on on uh, Vandera in a fight that you think is going to just kind of be back and forth. And uh, Vandera definitely, I, I'd say, has maybe a little bit better of uh, like heart, like uh, if a fight, for example, like the Chase Sherman fight breaks out, I could see why, you know, you could power, you would rate uh Jared uh, higher than him and Felipe in that style of fight against uh, Arlovsky, but I just don't have a lot of conviction in doing that. Like I just feel that Andre Arlovsky, he's just such a grizzled vet- veteran, has has that leg kick game that I think that he could go to versus a guy in Vandera who's who's a little bit of a statue, uh, kind of slow, um, you know, not the most high, you know, highly adaptable uh, guy in there. Um, I'd love to see that patented uh, Andre Arlovsky back fist uh, come out. I think he 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 broke he broke it out a few times versus. Uh, Felipe, but he wasn't able to, to to hit him quite cleanly, uh, and I do think that maybe that, that that'll be that'll be something we see here. But I think that uh, Arlovski and his camp at ETT, I think they probably saw a little bit of you know those faults from Vandera in the grappling. So I wouldn't be surprised at seeing uh, Arlovski look to mix it up, like grab a clinch, uh, look to hit a trip takedown here. I know Glover Teixeira was at ATT and, and Arlovski was working with him, you know, quite a bit. And, you know, they have other, you know, huge heavyweights like uh, Bouchesha and, uh, and and a number of other guys there. So, you know, I'll still, I still lean with Arlovski, but at north of minus 130, like I'm not laying that juice on him, you know, in this instance, right, in that um, – uh, Felipe fight right we were getting like pick um you know plus 110 plus 105 like that's like where I'm a little bit uh, way much more comfortable at um with uh, with Arlovsky if this nose dives again I'll I'll, uh, I'll jump on it but uh but not not here and then that goes the distance line is is a little intriguing as well um because I I, I don't think that he's gonna put away Vandera you saw in that fight against Romanov Vandera is very very hard to, to finish here um but but I think I might just avoid this fight personally and uh you know hope uh Rue uh, Andre Olaski on uh, for uh, hopefully a decision win or a knockout with a back fist. All right, sounds good. I had something I was going to bring up, but I completely forgot it. So we're good uh, with that one. We're done the prelims. Ten fights on the prelims down. That's insane for a pay-per-view card. It might be like the most fights uh, ever on a pay-per-view card and since like UFC 3. But that, uh, we're on to the main card. I said it earlier, but this main card is like structured really well. They're, like Sometimes they throw like a random fight that doesn't belong on the pay-per-view card, but not this time. They really uh, did a good job with this. So credit where credit is due. Um, whoever at the UFC organized it did a good job. First fight. Lightweight division. We got the king minus one thirty-five. Nasrat Hackbrass coming back plus one fifteen. Lovely fight. Um, interesting off. fight. Like I, th- I guess um, when you have Ali uh, Abdelaziz as your uh, as your manager, um, he just throws you. You know, gets you uh, pretty decent fights, right? Nasrat walked into that hooker fight. Walks into this Bobby Green fight after an awful performance. Like I mean. Nazareth looked like a regional level fighter, if I'm being honest with you, in that fight against Hooker, just completely lost in there, uh, you know, against the top 15 opponent. And now he's fighting Bobby Green. Man, I just don't see why people are backing uh, Nazareth here. You know, I, I, I've, uh, you know, the line movement is, I'm not going to say it's real because I'm not saying it's considered sharp, but it is from some people that people would consider sharp and move lines, you know, uh, considerably. Now, I mean, the, the issue is, though, that I'm looking at is, you know, Bobby Green fought a fucking assassin in Rafael Fazeev, right, two fights ago, 
right? Comes back against Al Iaquina, kind of shows that patented Bobby Green movement, slipping off punches, catching Al at the end of his shots, you know, and setting him up, you know, with the with those clean, you know, one-twos and, and, and definitely detonated on his chin. But he went from fight, he goes from fighting an assassin in 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 Fazeev, where you saw that spinning back kick he hit with Brad Riddell against Brad Riddell. He's got kicks, knees, punches, overhands, can hit with both from with both hands. And he goes, now he's up against a guy in Nazrat who, this guy's got one weapon. He's got a left hand. That's it. This guy does not jab. He does not throw anything from the right-hand side. He does not kick. He does. He has no grappling game. You saw that against Dan Hooker. This guy was, lo- he's getting freaking uh, body locked and like completely picked up uh, and, and thrown around by uh, Dan Hooker. And, you know, it's just no variance uh, variety in, in his uh, arsenal. And he's fighting a guy in Bobby Green, 40 fights overall, over 40 fights, you know, has gone rounds with the best of them. Obviously, Bobby Green's biggest issue is sometimes he doesn't win fights, or not sometimes, that he doesn't fight, fight uh, win fights convincingly, right? He lets fights uh, come to him. But, I mean, I, I feel like the Moises fight was a robbery. You know, I won on Moises that night, but that was a robbery. And then, I mean, I just don't see how you could back Nazrat here, man. Like, Bobby Green can move from both to both stances. Great head movement. Throws kicks. It is pretty accurate when he's throwing his hands. Can grapple as well. Has great conditioning. Uh, the only times you've seen him really hurt or not, he only be, he's only been knocked out by Dustin Poirier. He got hurt a, a bit by um by Lando Venata. But this guy, he doesn't really get hurt. And the only dangerous strike that Nazrat throws is from the left-hand side. And then on top of that, his power is overrated. Like, he doesn't, like... You know, he doesn't really have that real killer instinct to finish these guys, uh, you know, once he does have him hurt, right? He's chasing Mark Casey around. Mark Casey's running away from him. He's chasing around God Godi after he, he hurts him a, a bit. The one time this guy even tries to throw a leg kick, what happens, uh, Martian? He gets knocked out cold by Drew Dober as a minus 300 favorite. And now people are backing him as a plus 120, plus 115, plus 125, you know, underdog against Bobby Green. I don't see it, man. I think Bobby Green, fantastic bet here, uh, you know, at this price. If I if I lose on Bobby Green on a, a, a closest, like the only two ways I see Nazareth winning puts Bobby Green out cold with a, left, with a left hand, which could definitely happen because Bobby's always, you know, has his hands down and inviting, you know, punches to come in his way. Or he hurts him multiple times to be able to win a decision. Other than that, I just don't see how Nazrat is not uh, hurting Green and also still winning a decision. I think the shots that come up the middle, the straight punches that Bobby Green, you know, uh, uh, puts out there, I think is are going to get to the target much easier, cleaner, and more often than uh, than these like looping overhands and, and left hands that uh, that Nazrat's throwing out. And I think he's gonna. I mean, win this clearly, and I don't know, you know, being able to back Dan Hooker at minus 140 and, or minus 145, and now Bobby Green at similar pricing is a gift. So that's how I feel about this fight. Yeah, I mean, I can't really say it much better than you just did. I mean, I agree with uh, everything you just said, honestly. And, you know, they put this fight on the main card for a reason. And let me tell you something now. It was not because of Nasrat Hackbrass. This is going to be the fucking Bobby Green uh, come out show. He's been kind of, you know, 
popping off for the past year and a half since the pandemic really uh and you know the only real minor hiccup is that that moises decision to slip through his fingers but the guy's been just fighting to the best he's ever fought i mean this guy's always had great skill everywhere but he's just really putting it together getting a lot more serious fighting to his highest potential these past few fights and uh, you know the ufc recognized his great performance after uh knocking out like ally quinta and decided it's time to give this guy a step up in like the, the spotlight and that's what this is going to be um you know uh nasrat just looked awful versus hooker and everything i mean i think that that matchup could translate pretty pretty well here i don't think green is going to be offensively grappling as much but i just think bobby green like you said much more defensively sound much more comfortable way more experience can fight from both stances got solid defense i just don't think that nasrat's bringing anything new that he hasn't seen uh he's, he's a southball boxer with some decent punches but that's it abysmal volume and I think that, uh, you know, Bobby's going to win this one uh, pretty clearly as well. You know, you can never be, you know, too confident. It's going to be like a 30-27, but I think he's going to at least get two clear rounds here. Um, it's going to be like, he's just going to be landing, you know, two good shots for every one that Nasrat lands. So I'm pretty confident in Bobby as well. I'm not really sure what this line movement is coming, but, you know, keep it coming. If you like Nasrat, you know, I would love for you to keep that action coming. And uh, because Bobby Green is going to get the win here on Saturday. Uh, Saturday night. So really excited to see him get this uh, this step up decision at a plus number. I mean, you definitely have to have some money line action as well, but Bobby, but a plus number on that. I mean, I don't know. This is an interesting, these are some interesting lines I feel because, you know, I don't know. I, the only way I see Nazareth winning is he lands a clean left hand and knocks Bobby green out cold. And I've never seen that happen. So I don't think it's happening today or uh, on Saturday. Yeah, plus one ninety on Fanduel. You're probably getting a little bit more, uh, better of a price considering Green coming off a knockout win too. So good maybe point, you're getting a point. few extra cents, um, favorable there. But uh, next fight should be a real fun one. Should be you know all the ratings on the wall for a barn burner. Uh, Bantamweight division here. Kyler Phillips, big favorite, minus four twenty five. Marcelo Rojo, plus three twenty five. Um, Rojo's, you know, a solid offensive striker. The guy's got some skill on the feet when he's throwing strikes, but that's really about it. You know, he's not good defensively. He's not a good grappler. Uh, he doesn't have good cardio. He's been hurt to the body. He's been hurt to the head. Um, you can't really look at his last fight too much against Jordan. It was short notice. It was up a weight class and he did all right in that fight. So, you know, you got to kind of cut him some slack for that one. And you got to cut, uh, Phillips some slack too, for the Piva fight, because, you know, he definitely didn't lose that fight. I think it was a draw at minimum uh you know he kind of got robbed of some some 10 eighths there in round one versus paiva um and he, he just gassed out because he he spent all of round one knocking paiva out like several times and then was just adrenaline dumped and gassed out in those later rounds um but phillips is is very versatile man the guy's got great kicks uh solid punches good wrestling as well and uh you know i think he could look like a he could cover this price tag easily if he grapples i think he can make it a little bit closer but still look like a favorite if it strikes um but you know considering the cardio dynamic rojo's defensive grappling deficiency i think that phillips is probably going to get this one done without too much trouble um and you know the phillips sub prop like that one a lot plus 550 i think that should be closer to like plus uh 300 honestly so you know some good value on that one and i think phillips probably subs yeah, him um, in the second you know, i've been pretty high on kyler phillips except for when he fought um when he fought song yadong i think that was that was the one one time that i sold him and you know i think that was a that was obviously a bad timing there but i mean i i agree i echo a lot of these things you know i think the main thing too is uh this is marcelo rojo's first fight at 135 
in the UFC. Obviously, I think he only has one fight in the UFC, but he's been off for a while. Um, and I just, I, I don't think this guy's UFC level, and especially not at a level where he could compete with a dude like Kyler Phillips, who is just so, so versatile, moves pretty well on the feet, you know, is able to draw you in uh, so he can use his grappling, you know, uh, when he wants to. I think if you look back at that Gabriel Silva fight, uh, I was personally uh, impressed with some of the, the ground action that he had there, just some of the movement that he had while he was on top, uh, you know, switching from you know, top half guard to side control to mount to neon bet, you know, just moving around him. And and this is a guy in uh Silva who's decent uh in his own right, you know, on the ground. And then you saw in that Cameron Ells fight, he just butchered butchered that guy, sliced right through him. And uh, you know, he doesn't have too many submission wins on his record. I think that uh he, he wants to fix that though. Uh, you know, I, I feel so I definitely like that sub submission prop. And just on the feet, you know, yeah, Marcelo Rojo, he threw when he is uh, you know, um with full of gas like early on you know his shot selection is pretty good right he'll he'll mix up some body shots he'll throw some kicks out there he'll, you know he'll fire off that right hand you know he's not harmless on the feet uh but but obviously he's going for the kill uh in his own right but i don't think that i mean i i really struggle to see him be able to finish a guy like kyler phillips uh i think that kyler eventually either lands a big punch on this guy takes him down and then sub submits him or just right from the bat uh, or maybe like two, three minutes in, shoots the takedown on Marcelo Rojo, starts wearing him down, starts putting out, down some uh, elbows on him, and then eventually cuts through his guard and, you know, gets to a dominant position. So I'm going to be on that submission prop for sure. I'm going to be on the, this under for sure. And I think that Kyler Phillips is going to put a show, like he's going to show out on this dude, Marcelo Rojo. I don't see this being possible for this to be become a war or any of that nonsense. I don't, I don't see it one bit, not at all. Like Marcelo Rojo, weak, you know, cutting down to 135. And I saw one, he's he's another one of Brandon Moreno's boys. And I saw Brandon Moreno's other boy, um, Fulon, uh, Fulon, whatever it is, get completely iced by a grappler uh, in his own fight this past weekend. I just don't think these guys are UFC level. Uh, similarly to that uh, Blood Diamond guy, I think they're throwing bones at some of these guys that are, I think maybe it's a clause when you're a champion, you get like two friends into the UFC or something like that. But like, I think that Marcelo Rojo can finish, <laughs> you know, first or second round here. And, you know, I'm going to have um, a few iterations of that uh, in for this, uh, for this event, for this fight. I mean, Rojo is knockout or bust. So if you like Rojo, plus 800 for the knockout. And looking at the prop, Phillips' knockout is plus 100 and yeah. sub is plus 550. What the fuck is that about? So those are off. So take some of that sub prop. And that's going to bring us to the number one contender fight. Winner of this fight is probably fighting the winner of the main event. Uh, middleweight division, we got Jared Cannonier 152. Mm -hmm. Derek Brunson, plus 132. Blonde Brunson been on a tear, winning as a dog time and time again. But I yeah. feel like his luck so could run is, up on this one. So This is the second Jared fight that this, I think Ozzie? we've uh, we've uh, taken a look at, right? That uh, last fight versus uh, Calvin Gaslam was one of the first, you know, the, the first podcast that we did or uh, a few podcasts in. And um, I think on, in that card, um, you know, I kind of mentioned how I was not really sold on Jared yet. I was kind of questioning you know, his market, his market pricing there, right? I think we mentioned that you bet him, you know, in, in like a cancel fight against Costa, where Costa was like almost plus 200. And then he was getting a lot of respect for Kelvin, and even against Whitaker. But after that Kelvin fight, okay, like I now I kind of see, like I saw everything that I needed to see from Jared. 
in why uh, he was getting priced as he was and, you know, why people were high on him. And, you know, Adesanya was talking him up and all this. Um, you know, I think he, I thought he looked great in that fight, man. I think uh, the, the stance switches that he brings out, um, the ability, the, the power that he has from both hands and the dexterity that he has in both his kicks and his punches, right? He could, he could throw head kicks with both legs from both stances as well, right? He could switch up to his, uh, to a southpaw stance and throw that right head kick and vice versa. And he can switch seamlessly between, uh, you know, uh, orthodox and southpaw, right? That right hook that he drops uh, Kelvin with is off like a little quick south, uh, south, switch to southpaw where Kelvin doesn't really see it. I think he maybe like feints a jab and throws that hook in. So, I mean, I just think that Jared here, or excuse me, uh, Brunson here, uh, he's had a good run here. Um, but I think he, he's not, he has not changed as a fighter. Uh, at all you know he still covers distance you know pretty poorly he's still um you know i think w when the fight goes later I, I do still see some cardio uh issues with him potentially where it like he just gets a little bit more sloppy as the fight goes on i think in that till fight you know you saw it in the second and third rounds a little bit especially in that third round i thought he was kind of lunging at at uh at till and, and and you could potentially see till uh, you know, seeing some openings and maybe gaining a little confidence. And then, you know, Brunson was able to to hunt him down uh, later, like right towards the end, you know, scoop those legs out, you know, and put him flat on his back. But I don't see that being the case here against, uh, you know, Jared. Jared's pretty good at turning away. Like if you get in on his hips, right, he's very good at like, uh, you know, taking away one hip so that he's not really square and you could take take him down cleanly you know get into the fence fighting hands digging an underhook you know and staying up or just getting back up you know once you do put him down and Brunson's never been the kind of guy who you know he's really holding you down that well if you're not uh voluntarily being down right Darren Till we found out maybe or maybe not had a torn ACL but he just was not really looking to get get back up to his feet same thing with Edmund I mean Edmund was just a corpse after that first round and even he landed pretty pretty cleanly cleanly and the same thing versus Ke uh kevin holland so i think that uh the the distance that uh jared's or uh, brunson's gonna have to try to cover here i think that he's gonna get intercepted with some big shots from jared jared was able to carry three rounds of, or five rounds of cardio versus kelvin and i just like how this guy's always turned on man when he get once he gets into the cage he's looking dangerous that whole fight you know whereas brunson you know you see him kind of like you know, stepping back and like jogging up around a little bit and kind of not, not, not really being in pursuit the whole time. You know, he, he has some lapses in the fight where Jared, he's always coming forward. He's got those wide eye, wide, scary eyes. He's looking for, for the kill shot at every moment of the fight. And I think that he's going to just be putting damage on Brunson, tiring him out, hitting to the body, uh, uh, chopping at those legs, right? He could throw leg kicks from both stances as well. I just really like his game, you know, after seeing that Kelvin fight, I was really impressed there. And I think that you know Brunson's run is over here I think he's getting KO'd here at some point so I love this line movement coming in towards Jared um you know even at 37 I think this guy's got a lot left in the tank you know there's no reason for me to doubt that uh at this point and I just you know I just see him pretty putting some big punches on Brunson getting him uh you know, getting him on skates at some point and then finishing him off, uh, maybe with some ground and pound, you know, later on. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I think I'm going to look for, I just need to put some iterations of Jared KO, you know, just all of them, like round one round, just Jared KO, I think is, is a side here. You know, I might have, um, you know, some sprinkles on later round props, but I think that he can knock this dude out in the first round quite, quite easily and quite often. 
Yeah, I'm seeing the fight from a similar way. Um, you know, Brunson been on a legendary underdog run, but you really got to look at the three or four guys that he has taken down in top game. You know, Edmund, like you said, corpse once he gets taken down. Jack just did the same exact thing to him. Um, Kevin Holland, extremely easy to take down. Vittori did the same thing to him. Darren Till, not a good defensive wrestler. And, you know, Brunson has just been underrated by the market, but he's been facing guys who have had really bad takedown defense and are really bad at getting off of their backs. Kananir has not the greatest initial takedown defense, but the guy is really good at getting off his back. He's so strong. He's so explosive that he's he's hard to to really keep down. You saw Jack Hermanson. You saw David Branch take him down. You even saw Kelvin briefly take him down, but none of those guys kept him down because he's just so good at getting, you know, exploding at the right times and getting back to his feet. So that's really the big difference I see uh, in Cannoneer compared to Brunson's last few opponents is that once Cannoneer gets taken down, if he does, he has the ability to get back up. And when this fight is in the feet, you know, 90% of the hard shots are going to be landed by Cannoneer. I don't think many people will dispute that. Uh, also was very, very impressed rewatching that Kelvin Gaston fight. I mean, the guy is, you know, close to an elite striker, man. He's got really solid tight boxing and his kicking game is, is one of the most like surprising things I've seen is like, I mean, he, he rips the legs. I mean, he's got good head kicks as well. I mean, the guy's just a really good kicker and I did not expect that from him, you know, seeing him a few years back at, uh, at those heavier weight classes. So, I'm in agreement that Cannoneer is going to be landing hard shots here. He might get taken down once or twice early, but I'm pretty confident he's not going to be getting hold, held down like the, the the previous guys that Brunson has beat. So I think Cannoneer, uh, he probably does um, have a close round one, get taken down once or twice, you know, spend some time getting pushed against the cage. But rounds two, three, he's going to start stuffing those takedowns, land in harder shots, and find that knockout late. So I like Cannoneer as well. I think his money line is the way to go uh, versus the knockout. Um, you know, I could see like uh, Kennedy hurting him. Brunson shoots a takedown. They kind of stall out on the cage for a long period of time, and then this one ends up going the distance. So I like Kennedy money line here as well. And uh, sadly, I think the blonde Brunson brigade is coming to an end. Um, but you know, massive respect to Brunson. He's yeah, been that's on the legendary run, say. made us all a lot of money. A so and uh, you know, fruitful run for sure. Because I think I bet him every fight that you know he won there. Right, right. I mean, let the oof, I shouted oof. out the Brunson sub prop the last time plus two thousand Brunson round Brunson round three versus Edmund Brunson money line against Kelvin or Kevin. Uh, I mean, if you haven't been making money on Brunson in his past few fights, you're doing it wrong. Um, but I think it's time to hop off the train. Um, Co-main event time. Perfect co-main event. We got Derek Lewis in his hometown of H-Town uh, taking on Taito Yavasa. Uh, Lewis is the favorite, minus 178. Taito Yavasa, plus 153. In terms of money line here, I mean, uh, I guess it's a dog or pass. I mean, you really can't be back in Lewis at minus 180. You've said this before, but Lewis is like an underdog type of guy. Like You can be interested in Lewis as a dog, but when he's a favorite, probably not the right way to be going betting him. And, uh, you know, I, I do see uh, Ty's leg kicks maybe having an impact on this fight. That's definitely getting a lot of talk around this fight. Uh, Ty has been implementing a leg kick, but um, like you said, you said this earlier uh, when we were talking, but like, what, like what kind of heavyweights actually get like immobilized by leg kicks? It's not really that common. You know, I can see Ty landing some leg kicks here, but that's going to be, Oh, Lewis is going to be, okay, I need to start punching now. And he's just going to start throwing haymakers. Um, 
So Lewis is, uh, I mean, if Ty throws those leg kicks, I mean, he's not technically sound defensively. He's not some defensive, you know, genius who's going to be able to put on a, a 15 minute leg kicking performance. You saw versus uh, Greg Hardy. He leg kicked them a bunch of times. Hardy got pissed off, charged in, rocked him with the shot, but uh, Hardy sucks and he got countered with the left hook and put out. But, you know, Ty got wobbled by that punch from Hardy there. And, you know, Ty um, has just been running into some easy matchups. He's been knocking the guys out looking, you know, improved uh but i think this is going to be you know him running into a bit of a brick wall him running into a guy who just does his game better and i think that um you know lewis will will win the fight based on uh i think you know with those explosions of bursts of energy those those big punch combinations he likes putting together um i actually have a bet on this one to fight for the fight to start round two um you know i mean it kind of seems like these guys might bang it out in round one, but uh, I think 50% for it to end within round one is a bit too, uh, too wide. Um, you know, one of my homies pointed out Lewis is like 13 of his past 14 fights have ended uh, in round two or later. The Dawkins fight was the first time in five or six years that he actually went into or the fight ended in round one. And Lewis just stares at guys. He 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 breathes heavy. He he just does nothing. And then he explodes. So I could see like half of this round just be, being killed by the guys just being tentative, not really willing to engage. And I think hopefully this one gets into the second round. Uh, I actually will pick this one to go the distance. I'll pick Derek Lewis by and decision here. That bet is way pick. too sweaty for me, man. That 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 thing to start round two, but I mean, I just don't really. I mean, I I I, I kind of get why you know people will lean just getting to Ivasa here at you know some plus money, just because you know. I mean, I mean, you don't really know that to Ivasa is like good and or or, or good with like banging it out and, you know, putting himself in danger to get knocked out. Because, I mean, if you look at it, other than Greg Hardy, and I don't really think he respected Greg Hardy, you know, the he hasn't really fought, like, guys with as much power as, like, a guy like Lewis or, like, guys, like, just like a mean streak that wants to, like, you know, just fight for the knockout. Uh, typically, the Sakai fight, I mean, you saw Sakai, he's just circling around the cage, right? You know, uh, for the most part, you know, what didn't really want to engage. Uh, I think that I think probably the first round went to tie, right? Just because he was, uh, what's his name? Augusto Sakai was so timid, but he just let uh, Ty come forward, you know, a, a lot. And Ty was not really intimidated, you know, too much by by anything that was coming back his way. And I don't think he's going to get that same kind of fight here against Derek Lewis. Um, you know, I can't back Derek Lewis. I mean, I I kind of do. I I would kind of like you know more more money to come in on Ty. Uh, but but you know at minus one eighty, minus one eighty five. Just Derek Lewis is just like a strange fighter, you know, to back just because you don't know, like, you know, what, like what his, like you said, what his temperament is going to be like, is he going to just sit back and let, you know, Ty, you know, land a few leg kicks for free early on, right? That's never a good thing. But like, I think that he, he'll be able to, to, to kind of flip the fight and put it on his script, you know, kind of quickly. Um, you know, I think that he's probably has a, a huge reach, you know, one of the bigger reaches and just bigger overall guys that Ty's ever fought in there with. And Ty, like you said, he doesn't have great defense. And if he is throwing like those leg kicks out there, I think that he's not, you know, usually that defensively savvy to like kind of keep himself uh, safe while he does it. So I definitely could see Derek just, you know, blowing through him, right? You know, a guy throws that leg kick you like blow through him you know put him on his back and then just start you know pounding him with ground and pound i could definitely see that you know taking place here but I, i'm gonna lean towards Derek lewis i think that he's gonna be able to land a big shot on ty but i i can't back him here at this this uh, juice price here 
Tony goes the distance plus 380. That's a sleeper. I mean, that has inside the distance minus 650. How many fights in history have been 86% likely to end inside the distance? I mean, you can probably count them on like two hands. Um, I just think that people are probably just getting out of, out of hand with parlaying this one ended inside the distance and, you know, could have some value going later. Um, so enough about that one, though. Should be a, a magnificent fight for as long as it lasts. And that's going to take us to the main event in the middleweight division. We got the rematch. The champion Israel Adesanya taking on former champion Robert Whitaker. The first fight, uh, Israel was a a slight favorite at close. I think like minus 120, minus 130. Rob, maybe plus. Plus, uh, and now Israel minus 262 Robert Whittaker Ooh. plus 222 on bet online right now um, uh, so uh, yeah obviously Robert Whittaker Robert Whittaker's come into this fight uh off of three you know great wins right you know c- cutting through the middleweight division right earned this rematch for sure none of those three fights versus Jared Darren Till or Kelvin were uh, particularly close at all. You saw in that Kelvin fight some really, really good grappling overall, and you know just evolutions in his game. Uh, you know, for from you know just the overall standpoint of, of u- utilizing it actually in the cage. And Izzy, to me, you know that Vittori fight, I was on him big, but I don't think he looked all that great in that fight. I thought that uh, physically he looked a little diminished. His hands, I didn't think were that great. Right, he didn't really land too many strikes. Uh, with his with his boxing, which was what kind of won him the fight against Whitaker, right? Those two big shots that he landed on him to get the KO. But uh, I saw a great stat on Twitter. I don't know who posted it. I'd love to give him credit, but it was mentioning the uh, the discrepancy in like how much of uh, Izzy's offense is uh, leg kicks or has been leg kick based of late. And um, you know, and can Robert you know uh, uh, shut that down? Maybe land his kicks of his own. We all know he's got a great uh, right head kick that he uh, masks really really well. But I just feel that I mean, you know, why? Obviously, the sharp side. People are gonna say is going to be Whitaker, right? This big plus number, it's like, you know, very, very, uh, you know, different from the first fight that they had. Um, and and I, I have to say, I have to agree. I mean, when I look back at that fight, you know, I'm seeing Whitaker look to uh, close the distance, right? Look to to get to Izzy and and land, uh, you know, head tricks, right? Because you got to, you know, you have to land those shots to the to the head uh, to kind of, you know, uh, put damage on Izzy because he's so elusive. But I think that really went into Israel's game. It, uh, also, you heard Whitaker saying, like, man, like, I just really wanted to win that fight. I really wanted to knock him out. Like, I hated Iz- Izzy so much. And I think we're going to have a much more intelligent and measured approach. I think we'll see some light kicks here from from uh, Whitaker when Izzy is moving and leaning back a lot. Because, I mean, some of those shots that Whitaker was throwing, they were missing barely. And Izzy was just leaning back around them and, and all. And I think that he's going to be more intelligent in picking those shots, uh, look to maybe chop at those legs, maybe hit the body when Izzy is like leaning around and 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 moving away from those uh punches and then potentially look into to uh landy's takedowns uh as the fight goes on look to clinch look to where is he out and uh take some win out of his sails there uh, uh with those takedowns that he definitely can hit and i think he's definitely you know really really uh under uh underrated grappler uh i think that i don't know what the line would be i mean both these guys to finish by submission either one is 20 to 1, right? You can get a 20 to 1 on each of them. I think that's solid because I do think we're going to see some grappling here. Um, so maybe, you know, 
fight ends by submission is is like a sneaky like a super sneaky play uh here but i think that uh whitaker is going to be able to have a lot more success here than the last time i don't think that the ko is going to be coming easily for for adesanya here i think that uh rob is going to be a lot more defensively savvy i think he's going to be know that he needs to cut down on those opportunities for a guy like izzy to to, to land because from what i've seen adesanya he's become more of a striker where you know he's he, he's not necessarily creating those huge opportunities uh to land big and you know find those big shots he's kind of reacting right and that's what that's that's what a good striker does right they find those holes in your game they find you know the opportunities that you give them but i think if rob if rob can cut down on some of the aggressiveness let the fight come to him a little bit more maybe look to counter is is he himself and and utilize his well-rounded game more it, it's it's what's gonna abode well for him and make this fight much closer than the first time around so i mean i gotta back robert whitaker here um you know i, I i've had him you know I, people laughed at me uh after that uh first fight where i was like man you know what like i still feel that whitaker is the best middleweight in the world and some people could you know listen to this and say man this guy's crazy like obviously you know izzy finished him you know easily two times in the first fight but i think that's bold like you know uh sung true right M me having him number one by his domination of the other three guys uh, other three guys at the top of the division uh in his last three fights and i think that i'm going to be proven right potentially here again uh with backing him here um obviously going against izzy and all like a a champion that burned through the division you know on his way up is never you know really fun to do but i mean this fight's favorite to go the distance and i mean over a five round fight if you think this fight is going five rounds, like you think Izzy's going to look, you know, cover this minus 270 number. I don't see it, man. You know, he was in trouble there against Vittori for a little bit. Vittori got a little bit too uh, overzealous and eager um, going going for that rear naked choke, not establishing his hooks, not keeping a good control there. And I mean, Robert Whitaker is a high level grappler, man. He's better than Marvin Vittori. I think he's stronger than Marvin Vittori. I think he's got better conditioning than Marvin Vittori. And I think that if that same fight plays out that we saw last time or that Jan fight, you know, I think that Robert has a really good chance to win this fight. And I think that Izzy's going to have to heighten his level. And he might do that, man. He's an all-time great fighter. Um, you know, he wants to get up for this fight. He wants to uh, erase any doubt. You you know and 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 really take and and erase robert whitaker from the title picture but you know i'm gonna be back in bobby knuckles here that's my guy and uh hopefully we're riding him uh to a to a big uh underdog win at a, a plus 200 number yeah i'm in agreement with uh just about everything here um you know, I think minus 200 for Izzy would be a better, more accurate price. You know, win two out of three times. Uh, that's that's completely fair. I mean, uh, but I, I really do think um, Rob can win this fight. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic of his chances. I think that he is definitely the side to bet on at this plus 200 price. And, you know, looking at the first fight, you know, Rob just just made a tactical, uh, tactically wrong error on how he approached it. You know, was extremely aggressive, was hanging out in the pocket too long. He thought he could get some boxing combinations off in the pocket, but Izzy was able to counter with some nasty short punches. And, you know, really surprised me with that power he showed in that first fight. Definitely wasn't expecting a knockout. And, you know, Izzy made it look a little bit easy, but Rob just fought with a real bad strategy there. Probably felt, you know, the heat of the moment. It was in Australia, 60,000 fans, uh, you know, defending his belt. I mean, it was a, it was a tough fight, but I think uh, he's going to be a lot more prepared for this one. I think he's going to come in with a better strategy. And I think he just needs, you know, slow it down, you know, take the fight, uh, you know, 
as as it gives you details and whatnot. You don't need to be so aggressive. He definitely needs to look to incorporate some grappling because I was rewatching that Israel fight. Again, I agree with what you said about Vittoria, just uninspiring performance from, from Adesanya there. And I think he even said it this week in interviews. He's like, yeah, that was kind of boring. Um, and it was. Uh, but I hadn't remembered that Vittori, you know, got him down off a caught leg kick in round one. He got him down twice in the later rounds with regular takedowns. And Vittori's jiu-jitsu just completely boofed those uh, those attempts. I mean, he had top position Israel flat on his shoulders on the mat and didn't do anything with it. Got overzealous with that back take, lost it. Um, so really terrible jiu-jitsu on display by Vittori there. But, I mean, he got... Uh, Israel down uh, three or four times and Jan got him down two times and I feel like Israel's takedown defense might have hit its ceiling like I don't think it's going to be getting any better than it is now I think you know he he has improved his takedown defense uh, a lot uh, over the course of his MMA career but I just don't see it getting really any better you know so if Rob comes in looking to mix in that wrestling, I think that'll definitely be a, a good uh, a good strategy. And Rob just needs to lay on top and half guard. You saw Jan Blahovich lay out the playbook. Just lay on top and half guard. Lay on top and full guard. Put your weight on him. And Israel really can't get up that successfully. Um, so hopefully if Rob gets takedowns, he does the right thing, doesn't try to do too much with them. And I just think, like I was saying earlier, you just take the fight slow. Don't be so aggressive. You know, try to you know pick your shots a little bit more. Don't give uh, Izzy so many opportunities uh because when you see izzy he kind of matches the tempo of his opponents you saw in the romero fight romero wasn't doing much so izzy didn't do much and that fight ended up being razor close a lot of people scored that fight for romero uh i'd say i always say that it's too boring to rewatch so we'll never truly know who won that fight uh because it's just too boring to go back and rescore but um I'm very optimistic about Bob's chances here. Uh, you know, when when you're talking about rematches a few years apart, and you you think that one fighter might have slowed down, but I don't think either of these guys has taken a single step back. Rob has looked, uh, you know, phenomenal in the past few fights. Um, you know, uh, just putting on clinics, like you said, over those guys, looking good over five rounds. His cardio is on point. He can go the full five, and I think he's got his confidence back. I mean, this is coming at a perfect time. I think, uh, you know, the UFC loves doing rematches the past few years, but they waited a good amount of time. They let Bob get some wins under his belt. They let him get his confidence back, and I think he's going to come in here, um, you know, full of confidence with the right strategy, ready to make those changes from the first fight, and I just think this line is, is you know, pretty wide. I'd say minus 200 plus 170 is where I, I, I line it. And, uh, you know, Bob is probably worth, you know, one, one and a half, maybe even two units at this price because he'll fight for your money. He's a tremendous fighter. One of the, probably the most underrated fighters ever. And I just think that any fighter in the world at 70% or above, uh, versus Robert Whitaker is wrong. So, uh, I'll, I'll take Bobby here definitely be cheering for him. And, uh, you know, I, my concrete prediction for this one is that it goes the distance, you know, it can't be, you know, uh, overly confident that Rob does get the job done, but I do think this one will go the distance. I think we're going to see a longer fight and, you know, uh, the, these main events have been going, going the distance at a crazy rate. It seems like, like, I think like 14 of the past 16 main events or something like that have gone the distance. So we're seeing a trend. Uh, I think this one is going to go the full five rounds and I think it'll be a three, two decision either way. Hopefully we get a 48 47 for bobby knuckles here so great fight great rematch and uh, that's going to do it for this uh this podcast breakdown any closing thoughts on the, the main event before we get into our best bet parlay no man i think uh i just think that robert decision line probably has some some value here i think that uh both these guys are going to be you know a lot a lot safer here and uh five to one you know i think is the best number you could get on that 450 and i think uh i think that's uh, worth a poke 
Yeah, I, I like that as well. Uh, ends by sub, like you mentioned, that's plus 1,000 on DraftKings if you like that. 10%? 10%? Where a fight, though, I think there's grappling? Not bad. Um, and that's going to take us to our, our best bet parlay of the week. Uh, I did uh, fail you guys the past two weeks. I obviously gave out winners. I did not. So uh, hopefully I'll try to pick up the slack a little bit. Who are you going with? Uh, oh, you got to go first. No, you're going okay, first. Okay, you're I'll, going go, first. I'll go first. Uh, I'll go with uh, the King. I'll go Bobby King Green, minus 135 on bet online now. Anything under minus 170, I honestly endorse. Okay. Okay. I, I, I like that play last week. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to open up my mouth, but you know, obviously I didn't love the MAB, but I love, I, I like, uh, Cannoneer, obviously, you know, I narrowed it down to two plays, you know, I was either going to go with the Marava, the Sergey versus Douglas, uh, over or, or GTD. Um, but instead I'm just going to go with, um, I'm gonna go with Bobby green, man. So you have, no, you, have, wait, wait, wait. you said you have Jared or Bobby green. No, I got Bobby Green. Yeah, I Easy. got the king. My bad. My bad. I I was narrowing down to Jared or uh the the over in the in the Sergey fight. So I'm just gonna go with Jared. So we're gonna do the two teamer, two favorites on the main card. Plus uh, one eighty nine. Plus one eighty nine. So I mean, I think this is. I I mean, I'd be surprised if you get the a market better price from here on either of these two guys. So I think we'll get some closing line value on both of them. Lock them in, lock them in together, lock them in separately, and uh, and let's go to the bank because you know I'm definitely heavily betting both of them uh, this week. And as Omar Little once said, "You come at the king, you best not miss." So I think Bobby Green, uh, I like Kananir as well. QAnon on near, uh, I think I I love both those plays. So we're in agreement. We're either gonna you know profit together or go down together this week. Um, you know, uh, one of the rare weeks where we're coming off a loss. So hopefully we'll get back in the win column. And, uh, you know, we breeze through all fit, uh, 15 of these fights. Maybe not breeze 15. through. 15. Fifteen. That's a lot of fights, man. That yeah, is a lot of fights. Hopefully the 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 COVID uh, doesn't get anybody, and uh, hopefully we get this great card. So uh, thank you all for listening. Make sure you're supporting the channel, subscribing, liking, retweeting our tweets and whatnot, and uh, checking out our bet MMAs as well for those official plays. And uh, closing thoughts, Ozzy? No, let's just take all the cash. All right, let's cash all these plays. Big pay per view card. Lots of opportunities. So let's come away uh, with a winning week. Yeah, I highly, highly doubt this pay-per-view lets us down. Great main card, great structuring, and I uh, hope everybody enjoys the fights. We got six or seven more weeks in a row of UFC. We'll be back with those podcasts next week. Thank you all for listening. Hope you enjoy the fights. Hope you win some money, and we'll see you next week. Peace.